Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I am Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now, we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode 11, where we're going through chapters 26 and 27. If you're eager to follow along or get a bit ahead, you can download the entire ebook for free at jenhart.com. Never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember, all the details and links you might need are just a click away in the description. Now snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 26 Tess found it hard to keep the spring out of her step or the goofy grin off her face. Not only had she spent a second incredible night with Jack, but she discovered she'd lost three pounds, assuming Jack's scale was correct. If things worked out with Jack, she could get rid of her treadmill. Good riddance, she thought. She felt so good and confident that she was willing to brave the Worthington family to find out if Helen had bought whatever story Daniel had told her and was ignoring her. Tess made her way up the front steps of the Worthington mansion, not sure which was worse, the biting cold outside or the bitter coolness that was likely to meet her on the inside. Walter met her at the door and led her to the parlor to wait while he went to let Helen know she was there. Tess stood in the room, not sure if she should make herself comfortable by sitting. Her confidence began to wane, so she remained standing. She turned when she heard the doors open. Senator Worthington entered the room heading for the bar. He stopped when he noticed her. I'm sorry, I didn't realize we had a guest. Hello, Senator, Tess said. He continued toward the bar. You're Daniel's friend? Tess felt certain she was no longer Daniel's friend, but it didn't seem like a good time to explain the situation. Yes, sir. Would you like a drink? He said as he held up a container of orange juice. No, thank you. He finished mixing his drink and held it up as if to make a toast. You know what they say. Unsure what he was asking, she said. What do they say? It's five o'clock somewhere. I suppose it is, she said, figuring it was still barely lunch in Europe. He'd need to be in Asia, probably, for it to be five o'clock. It's been a rough week. She nodded. I'm very sorry. His sharp blue eyes watched her. You were the one who found him? Yes. The image of Asa's body slumped over his desk and blood running everywhere came into her mind. Perhaps she should sit after all. I didn't see him, not until the funeral. Tess wasn't sure how to respond to that. I'm sure he'd rather you remember how he was when he was living. No doubt about that, he said, taking a long drink. It had to gall him that someone got the best of him. Tess was sure it would gall anyone to be murdered, but she understood what the senator meant. Asa controlled and manipulated people for his benefit and amusement. She wondered if he had time to realize that someone had outmaneuvered him before he died. And the list of people who wanted him gone is longer than my arm, continued the senator. But who had the balls to actually make it happen? I can't think of one person. I guess sometimes people can be pushed too far, she said. Daniel seems to be on the case. He's taking a long look at that Mr. Valentine. Tess nodded. Who else could it have been? She wondered if he was trying to talk himself into believing Jack was the murderer because he didn't want to think a family member was a killer. Since the senator was being so chatty, Tess decided to ask him a few questions. She knew she was crossing the line, particularly if she wanted to salvage her relationship with Daniel. Something that has been bothering me about that night is that Mr. Worthington said the party was just for family. Not even Laurel Worthington was allowed to stay. That's right, said the senator. Then why was Mr. Valentine invited? His brows drew together. Invited? I don't think he was... Yes, Mr. Worthington invited him. 
The senator appeared to think on that as he poured another drink, this time without vodka. I can't imagine why Asa would invite him, especially to an event like that. I was invited, and I'm not family. The senator smiled. Not yet, but Daniel has his eye on you. Tess took a deep breath. She wondered if everyone in Jefferson Tavern saw her and Daniel as an inevitability. But to share his illness with anyone outside of the family, that is a surprise. He said, Is that what the dinner was about? What else could it have been? Tess shrugged. He suggested to Mr. Valentine that it was a business dinner. The senator's eyes narrowed. Business? What kind of business? No one seems to know or can tell us. Not even Tom seems to know. The senator shook his head. Terrible thing about Tom. Poor Helen is distraught. She thinks it's related to Ace's murder. But Daniel says Mr. Valentine has an alibi. Daniel apparently hadn't told the senator who the alibi was. She wondered if he told Helen. She realized that this moment could be her best, perhaps only opportunity to ask the senator about Delia. She took a deeper breath. Mr. Worthington had a file on Mr. Valentine along with information about Adelia Jackson. The change was instantaneous. His eyes darkened and narrowed, and like little laser beams focused on her. How do you know about that? Mr. Valentine told me. Why would Valentine know about Delia? She died before any of you were born. He said as he reached for the vodka bottle. He didn't know who she was. Tess knew she had to be careful. She couldn't reveal that her information was taken from Asa's computer, yet she wanted him to know that the information existed. She worked for me. Many years ago, she died tragically. He gulped down the final bit of orange juice this time, filling his glass with vodka. What the hell was that boy thinking? Tess couldn't be sure who the senator was referring to, Asa or Jack. The information said she had a baby. The senator set his drink down. His palms pressed against the top of the counter as if he were trying to keep himself upright. The baby died with her? His voice sounded distant and very sad. Tess closed her eyes as she battled with herself over how much more to reveal. The article said the baby wasn't found. She finally said. He turned to her, the vacant look in his eyes turning to inquiry. What's your point? Tess decided she'd come to the end of the road. She couldn't reveal any more without seriously compromising her relationship, professional and personal, with Jack. I guess it's sad to think about such a loss. That hopeful part of me wonders if it could be possible that he survived. The senator laughed. You're still young. You probably still believe in true love, too. He gave his head a shake. God knows what Asa had in mind, but I can't see how any of this relates to his death. You're probably right. The senator gave her a curt nod. I've got to go. I assume Walter is taking care of notifying whomever you came to see. Tess nodded. Yes. He made his way to the door and then stopped as if something had occurred to him. He slowly turned. How do you know all this? Tess's stomach dropped. I... Because she's working for Mr. Valentine. She heard a female voice say. Tess turned to see Helen standing in the doorway. The accusation and heat in her eyes verified every fear Tess had regarding the woman she loved as a mother. What? The senator asked, his head whipping to give her the same hard stare. She's the lawyer representing Mr. Valentine. Is that true? Is that why you're here interrogating me about past employees? No, sir. Tess answered. I'm here to see Helen. It was the truth, even if she did use the opportunity to talk to him. Why, to interrogate her? No, I'm here. We have nothing to say to you, he said, moving to Helen. He put his hand on her elbow to lead her out of the room. You don't need to talk to her. I'll have Walter show her out. In that moment, all the rejection Tess had ever experienced, the indifference of her parents, the betrayal by Brad, 
bore down on her. But for once, her first reaction wasn't to crawl away and hide. Instead, she felt the need to confront them. No, I want to hear what she has to say for herself. Helen pulled away from her father. Well, I don't. He said, stalking from the room. I'm surprised, Tess. I thought you had more sense than to sleep with your client. Tess knew that Helen was protective of her family, but she wouldn't have ever guessed she could be so catty. Tom does it all the time, Tess said, releasing her inner cattiness as well, and yet regretting it. She was only going to make the chasm between them wider. That's different. I'm married to him. It's not that different. You're suggesting that there's a conflict of interest. If you're married to your lawyer, the argument could be made for a conflict of interest. Just like Daniel's interrogation of Jack and me this morning over his father's attack is a conflict of interest. Helen's eyes narrowed to slits. So, we're both calling the kettle black. So it seems. Tess answered. But my actions won't affect whether or not Asa's murderer and Tom's attacker are found and brought to justice. The chasm widened. So wide that Tess knew that no bridge would ever be able to span it. You don't think much of Daniel's skills, do you? I think he's a very good detective, except in this case, he's letting his personal feelings get in the way. His feelings being those you think he has for you. Tess wanted to remind her that all of Jefferson Tavern believed they were an item. That's a little self-centered, Tess. Tess took a deep breath that did nothing to help center her. There was more she could say to try to convince Helen that there was more to the case, and that Daniel was missing it. But she also knew it wouldn't help. Helen was a mother figure, but not her mother. Her loyalties would always be with Daniel first, regardless of his actions. I didn't stop by to get into a discussion about Daniel or this situation. I only wanted to check on how Tom is doing. Despite what you apparently believe, I do care about him, about all of you. Sleeping with the enemy is an interesting way to show how much you care. Tess bit back a defensive remark. Instead, she opted to cut her losses. She'd learned what she'd come to find out. Helen had been avoiding her. Tess looked to Helen, hoping to see some sign of the woman who'd been such a good friend. All she saw was anger and disappointment. I can see that this was a bad idea. I hope you'll give Tom my best when you see him. Helen didn't reply. Tess took the hint and left the room. Miss Madison. Walter said in a tone reminiscent of how he spoke to Asa as he opened the front door. Even he was against her. She gave him a nod and a quiet thank you as she stepped outside. She stood on the front porch wondering how her life could have gotten so off track in a matter of days. She should be enjoying the warmth of new love, but instead she was feeling as alone as she felt the day she found Brad with another man. She couldn't help but wonder if Jack was worth all the sadness and suspicion that was now around her. Regina was sitting at her desk when Tess entered the office. Good morning, Tess said. Good morning. Regina pulled together several pink slips of paper. Legal Aid called and wanted to know if you'd be able to help on a deadbeat dad case. And a girl from Smoky Ridge called. She's unexpectedly pregnant and is thinking about adoption. Tess took the papers. Any calls from Mr. Snyder and Mr. Tanner? No, but Mr. Valentine is waiting in your office. Tess entered her office to find Jack sitting comfortably on her couch, tapping on his phone. Working hard? She asked. He looked up and smiled. It amazed her at how much joy he showed at seeing her. She wondered how long something like that would last. Longer than this case? He stood, pocketing his phone as he moved to her. He studied her a moment before placing a hand on her cheek and leaned in for a kiss. How'd it go? About as I feared. Worse, actually. His eyes were sympathetic as they looked down on her. I'm sorry, want to talk about it? Tess shrugged. 
She bought Daniel's version of events. Did you explain things to her? She came at me with claws, and I responded in kind. I'm afraid I've ruined any chance to fix things. Tess. He said as his hands rubbed her arms. I'm sorry. It gets worse. While I was waiting for Walter to get her, the senator walked in. I took the opportunity to ask him about Delia. Jack stilled. I didn't reveal anything you wouldn't want revealed. I just wanted to see his reaction to knowing Asa had information on her. And? I don't know. His first reaction had me thinking he knew about Delia and you. But as we talked on, I don't know. I think he was curious about how I knew about Delia. And he seemed genuinely sad about her death and the baby's death. Did he admit he had an affair with her? Tess couldn't tell which answer he wanted. It didn't matter. She didn't know. No. So it's worse because you didn't get any information out of him? No. It's worse because when Helen arrived, she told him I worked for you and he thought I was there to interrogate him. In the course of the week, I've made enemies of Daniel, Helen, and the senator. Even Walter seemed mad. Jack gathered her close. I'm sorry, Tess. Yeah, well, it was par for the course. You know what was really weird? Everyone is pointing a finger at you for Asa's murder, but I think Daniel is the only person who really believes it. What do you mean? I think the senator and Helen are hoping you're the murderer because the alternative is something they can't handle. So they're talking themselves into thinking it was me? Yes. Well, that's something. Nothing that constitutes proof or can be used in court. But it is interesting. Even if it meant betraying my friends. Would it help if I said you could bill me double for your time there? Not much. She said, pulling away. Thankfully, Jack let her go. What do you have planned for today? I need to work. Tess wondered what it was like to have the kind of success that Jack had that allowed him to play hooky from work whenever he wanted. How about you? I was thinking of visiting Philip Worthington. I hear he's back at work. At the helm, actually. That got Tess's attention. For what reason? I want to know what kind of business project Asa had in mind. And you think Philip will tell you? She said as she sat down at her desk. Jack shook his head. I doubt he even knows. So why bother? I was thinking I could find a way to segue into why he's lying about the night Asa died. Jack rested a hip on the edge of her desk. And you think he'll tell you that? Jack shrugged. I can be persuasive when I want to be. Didn't she know it? You shouldn't go without your lawyer. I thought you'd say that. It's why I'm here. But after this morning... I'm your lawyer. Besides, they've probably already called him about my visit. It's unlikely we'll be allowed to see him. Tess wondered how many other people the Worthingtons had called. She had the most influential family in town against her. She wondered if they could be behind the recent drop in her business. Why don't we pay him a visit and find out? Chapter 27 The Worthington family had lived in the Jefferson Tavern area for over 200 years. James Worthington founded the Jefferson Tavern Gazette in the early 1800s. Over the years it changed names, but the Worthington family continued to own and run it. Since its small early beginnings, the family business bought other newspapers and eventually radio and television stations. As large as the company was, it still held its base of operation in Jefferson Tavern. The Worthington Media Corporation had expanded from a small retail space in the historic downtown to a building that took up most of the block. Tess and Jack entered the historic building, and much to Tess's surprise, they had no problem being admitted to Philip's office. He needs a new gatekeeper. Jack commented as they sat in Philip's office. How much do you think he really does? Tess said in a low voice so as not to be overheard. It's probably harder to see the executives. Maybe, but he's the figurehead now. 
If the company is going to survive, especially in this economy, he's going to need to prove his importance. I haven't heard of any papers closing, Tess said. That's Ace's doing. He's been able to incorporate the internet to help, but they've laid off a lot of people. Tess! Philip said as he entered the room. Tess and Jack stood. Philip, thank you for seeing us. You remember Mr. Valentine? Yes, how are you? Philip said with forced pleasantry and a handshake. I have to tell you that if you're here to question me about Dad's murder, I can't help you. You've made a few enemies, Tess. But I always liked you. I think you're good for Daniel, so I agreed to see you. Tess glanced at Jack, who seemed equally as surprised by Philip's friendliness, considering his family's animosity to her. Thank you. Actually, we're here about the business Asa had with Mr. Valentine. What business is that? Philip unbuttoned his coat and sat behind his desk. That's what we were hoping you'll be able to tell us, Tess said. Philip's brows drew together. You don't know what business you had with my father. He was supposed to outline it for me the night he died. Jack said. We were thinking that a business project involving Worthington Media Corporation and Jack's company would have the involvement of other executives. Mr. Valentine is unsure if he should consider the project off in light of Asa's death, or if Worthington Media Corporation still intended to make its presentation. Philip looked at both of them before answering. Tess got the feeling he was trying to come up with an answer that didn't make him sound like he was out of the loop or inept. You know my father often planned projects and didn't let others know about it until later. I'm afraid this may be one of those projects as I haven't heard anything about it and none of the other executives have mentioned it. Don't you have any ideas? Jack pressed. As the next in line, he must have said something to you. He made a big deal about it the night of the party. Philip shifted. I'm sorry. My father could be secretive at times. I wasn't aware of a business announcement that night. I didn't know what the party was about. But after, when we heard about his health, I thought that's what he was going to tell us. Tess nodded. We think so too. But we're baffled by why he invited Mr. Valentine if he was going to tell his family about his cancer. Mr. Valentine isn't family. He told me he had a business proposal. Jack added. Philip lifted his hands, indicating he was at a loss. I don't have any answers for you. I know it was a difficult night. Jack said. Sometimes it's hard to be clear on what really happened. When Philip looked perplexed, Jack continued. Under that kind of stress and grief, it's hard to remember the order of events. For example, I'm sure you met me in the foyer without Shelby, and yet your statement is different. Jack said. Except you entered from the dining room and Shelby came from upstairs. His voice was matter-of-fact, not challenging. As you said, sometimes the memory is foggy in a traumatic event. I was with Shelby, but came down before her. Was she sick then? Tess asked. What? Maybe she didn't mention it. But I ran into her yesterday at her girl's night out. She looked sick. I offered to call you, but she said she was feeling fine. I was wondering if maybe she was sick the night Asa died. For the first time since she'd met Philip, he didn't have a facial expression that made him look like he was one step behind everyone else. His eyes darkened. She doesn't like to bother me when she's not well. Is she sick a lot? Tess asked. Not anymore, he said. Tess wondered what that meant. So she didn't go upstairs that night because she wasn't feeling well. Philip's eyes narrowed. You are interrogating me. Not at all. Tess said. We're not law enforcement. We're simply people who were at a party in which a tragic event occurred. In any case, I'll need to ask you to leave. I hope I didn't get her in trouble. She did ask me not to call you. But she looked pretty bad when I first saw her. Why would she be in trouble? Philip asked in a voice that sounded like she was indeed in trouble. If it were me, I'd want to know when a loved one wasn't well. Tess said. She's fine. The finality in his tone told Tess that the visit was done. 
By the time Jack dropped her off at her office, Tess had had enough of the Worthingtons to last a lifetime. Tess! hissed Regina as she jumped from her chair behind the desk and ran towards her. Something wrong? Tess asked, wondering if Regina was going to run her over. Regina moved in nearly nose to nose. Detective Showalter is here, she whispered. She glanced over her shoulder towards Tess's office. Tess followed her gaze but didn't see anything. He's really ticked off? No doubt he'd talk to his family, Tess thought. I mean like murderously mad. I'd call the authorities, but he is the authorities. Is Mr. Valentine coming in? He could protect you. I'm sure I can handle it. Have you had lunch yet? Do you think that it's safe? Don't worry. Tess reassured her. But I'll be fine. Tess was glad for the warning. It gave her time to prepare for whatever was about to come. She'd never known Daniel to get murderously mad until that morning. There was no doubt that Helen and the senator had told him about her visit, which likely fueled his anger. She had a quick look at him pacing in her office before he realized she was there. How dare you? Daniel. Tess made her way to her desk. What were you thinking? Interrogating my mother and my grandfather? Tess took off her coat and hung it on the rack. I wasn't in tarot. The hell you weren't. What are you doing asking him about a long-gone assistant? Insinuating impropriety. His hand slammed down on her desk as she'd finally made her way behind it. Whoa, wait, I didn't insinuate anything. I should arrest you for hindering an investigation. Oh, come on, Daniel. She sat in her chair, glad to have her weight off her shaky legs. She didn't really think he'd hurt her, but she'd never seen him so angry or animated. Are you here to yell at me, or are you interested in knowing my side of things? I want to know why you were there in the first place. He leaned over her desk, putting his face into hers. His attempt at intimidation hurt more than scared her. She'd known him since she was 16 years old and had been good friends with him for the last three years. How quickly he and Helen were able to discard her without any thought to her side of the story. Of course, she wasn't totally blameless. She had crossed the line on more than one occasion. But her goal was to get to the truth, a truth that no one in Daniel's family seemed to want to know. She leaned back in her chair, hoping it conveyed indifference to his outburst. I was there because Helen wasn't returning my calls. I was worried about her and wanted to know about your dad. So you interrogated my grandfather? The senator came in the room while I was waiting. By the way, does he always have liquor early in the morning? That's none of your damn business. He pushed off from her desk and paced again. We started talking. That's all. That's not how he tells it. He stopped, stared down at her. She got the impression that he felt like he didn't know her anymore. The feeling was mutual. She didn't know him either. I can't help that. You told my mother I was doing a lousy job. Tess wondered if that bothered him more than her questioning the senator. I didn't say it like that. Besides, she nearly called me a whore, which I'm positive she got from you. Now, if that's all... It's not all, Tess. Why are you so blind when it comes to this guy? Why are you... The evidence. Tess scoffed. You don't have evidence. At least nothing that would lead to an arrest. And certainly nothing any more compelling than what can be said for other people in the house that night. I have more than you know. That stopped her. She knew he wouldn't tell her, but she couldn't help but wonder. I know that you're not supposed to be on this case. And I know that based on what the police have now, not only could I create reasonable doubt, but I could create absolute doubt. His jaw tightened. Tess stood and came around the desk, hoping the gesture would be taken as an olive branch. Look, I'm not telling the police not to look at Jack, but there are so many other aspects that need to be looked at, and no one seems to be doing that. We're back to the senator's assistant again? That's one thing. He glared at her with his hands on his hips. 
Tell me, Tess, why would an assistant who died over 30 years ago have any bearing on the case? Assume it's true, and he had an affair with her, maybe even fathered her baby, who'd care today. Senators are doing it all the time. Most of them still get elected. He had a point. I don't know, but it seemed to matter to Asa. Asa was a heartless bastard. We've all had to suffer from his compulsive need to dominate or humiliate. He probably thought he'd embarrass the senator with the information. But to kill him over it? Come on. Surely you see that's just nuts. Tess wondered what antics Asa had used to dominate or humiliate Daniel. Wait, I never accused or even suggested that the senator had an affair with his assistant. Daniel stopped. She could practically see the wheels in his head turning to come up with a response. I didn't say anything that would even remotely have suggested I thought he'd had an affair. But it's interesting that he took it that way. No, it isn't. But his denial was weak. And even if it was true, it doesn't matter. It has no bearing on the case, and you have no right to investigate it. She did have a right as part of Jack's counsel, but she decided not to share that point. And don't deny you are investigating. Why else would you follow a trip to the house with a visit to Philip? Philip is in charge of Worthington Media. Jack had business with Worthington Media. Who else would he talk to? What business? Keep up, Daniel. The night of the murder, Asa had business with Jack. Business that he didn't get to complete because someone murdered him. Do I look stupid? No, she thought, but he sure was dense sometimes. You told Philip it was business, but it was clear you were there to question him. Why? You know why. The supposedly false statement. Right. Tess, what if I'm right? What if Jack is using you and your attraction to him to get away with murder? And Tom? Jack was with me the night he was attacked. She countered. Ah, I'm glad you asked. The gleam in Daniel's eyes told her she wasn't going to like what she heard. Even worse, she was terrified that she was about to find out that she had indeed been sleeping with the enemy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it and you will be back to find out what happens next. What is Daniel about to tell Tess that leads her to think she might be sleeping with the enemy? To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are posted. And don't forget that you can get the ebook of Deadly Valentine free through my website, jennahart.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.